0: I'm, I'm continuing our series in the book of Acts today, and uh, so I get to chapter 3. Uh, so I'm going to go right into that, and then I have a little treat for you guys afterwards. Uh, so let me read, let me read this. Uh, the title today is Power in the Name of Jesus. Obviously, the name of Jesus is so, so very powerful. And I think we underestimate that. And when I've gone on travel and done mission trips, and that it does seem like in some ways other countries really understand more of that power in the name of Jesus. But we're going to learn about what that power is capable of today. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which actually was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Now, just to say, people are like, what the temple gate called Beautiful? Um, The temple had like 12 different gates. And people went to the temple multiple times a day to pray because that was their custom back in those days. Um, And so this temple gate, and I looked up the pictures of these gates. It's actually a really beautiful gate. Um, but the ironic thing is it wasn't really called Beautiful. It was actually called the Nicanane Gate or something. I can't even pronounce it. Um, but this is just one of the main gates uh, going into the temple courts. And so that just kind of gives you a picture. So this man was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Otherwise, he would say, alms for the poor. When he saw Peter and John, or Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping, some versions say leaping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, if any of you grew up in Sunday school, you may remember this passage a little differently. So for those of you who didn't, I want you to experience this. So I'm going to play for you this little video. And if you know the song, you have to join in. Hit it, Bri. <laughs> Crank it. It's right out of Scripture. It's right that is Paul. that's what Peter did say. If all I have, the as I have given thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, walking, sleeping, praise, yeehaw! Christ Okay, now you guys all know it. Here we go. Yeah. in gold I not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Brian wanted to hear it again. <laughs> the acting is amazing. You have to admit. Got a death grip on his head. <laughs> Walking and leaping. Everybody now. Walking and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wise up and walk. All right, you can kill it. <laughs> Enough torture. How many remember that song? <laughs> I was, I was studying this, and I go, that's all I could think of. I, that song kept going around and around in my head. And I was going around the house. Dawson was singing with me. Um, in fact, he offered he offered to play guitar and really, you know, sing that. But anyways, uh, so easy way to remember this passage, right? You're going to see like, walking and leafing and phrasing. Uh, so Peter and John... Obviously, uh, went to the temple. And ironically, uh, this is the very first miracle done by somebody other than Jesus. And so it's a big deal. Uh, and, but I want to tell you a little bit about the man first. This man that got healed. We don't know his name. Um, but I want to talk to, talk about this man. Because this man, we'll learn in later in chapter four, this man was over 40 years old. Okay, and so, and he was crippled from birth i I try to imagine that never ever ever being able to walk your your ankles, your feet, your legs are never strong enough to support your own weight, and you cannot get anywhere by yourself and They didn't have electric wheelchairs back then, I don't even know if they had wheelchairs, um, but for whatever reason um he he was carried by somebody, you know, some say it may be his family that carried him there every day or friends, but he was carried to the temple gate every day. So the temple gate would be the equivalent of the exits of the parking lot at Walmart, okay? That's our, today that would be, and probably the reason that we don't have um, beggars camped out at churches because we're not coming to church multiple times every day. Walmart, we got a lot of traffic. So, obviously, many of you have seen people begging uh, for um, food, for money uh, at exits of parking lots all over the place. Um, and back then, they would yell out alms for the poor. Now, the word alms means donations. You know, they were just asking, he was asking for donations. Um, nowadays, it's a cardboard sign, but I, I tried to imagine for, for close to 40 years, I'm carried to this designated spot, and my whole existence is begging so that I can live and survive because I can't work. Uh, I can't do uh, anything that anyone else uh, can do. And back then, so much of, of work was, was manual labor wasn't like he could sit at a computer or whatever else. And so that was his existence. And he must have had his designated spot at the temple gate called Beautiful. And it's interesting to me in the story that he, it says he was being carried. So he wasn't even at his designated spot yet. He was on his way, and he eyes Peter and John. <clears throat> Didn't waste any time. This guy was good at begging. He knew what he was doing. He saw Peter and John. He's like, hey, I want some money. You have any money? And the interesting thing is he wasn't looking at him. So I can imagine him, you know, laying on the ground or or on the stretcher or whatever they carried him in. And as they're carrying him, they see he sees Peter and John and he's not even looking at him, but he knows that people are walking by and he says, hey, alms for the poor. Um, And he, he just takes advantage of that, that time. And I don't know why he picked out Peter and John. You know, were they wearing uh, extra fancy sandals or something? I don't know. But for whatever reason, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick them out. And I'm going to ask them, before I even get to my spot, I don't want to lose this opportunity to get some cash. Okay? Well, what happens next uh, is different. So, I, so that's, that's the man we're dealing with. He's been doing this for close to 40 years. Chapter 4 says he was over 40 years old. He was at this spot every day asking for money. And that was just his routine. Okay, now I want to go to the miracle. Interesting thing, Peter, John, it says they looked straight at him. Now, for whatever reason, the beggar wasn't looking at them. And I would imagine, just like most of us, it's a little difficult to have eye contact with somebody begging, especially if you're not intending to give them anything. right? You're just kind of like, yeah, I know they're there, but I don't really want to have eye contact with them. But it's interesting that Peter and John just eyed him down. And then Peter says... Look at us. He has to tell the crippled beggar, look at us. Now at this point, the man's like, cool, I'm going to get some cash. Because they stopped, they're looking at me, they want me to look at at them. And so he's like, sweet. And what does Peter say? The man expected money and they said, I ain't got none, right? Peter calls on the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, this is a key part of the story because the the way he models this idea of healing is so important. Because what we don't don't realize is the the name of Jesus was a very common name back then. There's a lot of people. In fact, it's, it's not that uncommon even today. Jesus Uh, Is probably more common, but the name of Jesus was a common name, but the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth was a very different name. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Okay, imagine if you're that guy. You've been laying there asking for money. You cannot walk for 40 years. And Peter goes, I ain't got no money. But in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Don't you think he would look at Peter and go, are you nuts? You have to be nuts. I've been sitting here for 40 years. And you're telling me just to walk. Now, I'm thinking that the only reason Peter can be this bold is because Peter knew Peter was hung out with Jesus quite a bit. He knew the power of that name. He knew that. He must have known. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, 9 and 10, it says, Therefore God exalted him, speaking of Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow and in he- on heaven and on earth and under the earth. Okay, and then in Jeremiah 10.6, it says this, no one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. Peter knew this. Peter knew that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth had power. And he didn't have money he had access to the powerful name of Jesus. He must have believed Jesus also in John 14, 12. It says this. And this, this always blew me away, this passage, because we always think of the life of Jesus on earth as being pretty amazing, right? He did a lot of miracles, you know, healed people he spoke in, in a way that, that was so powerful. But in John 14, 12, this is Jesus speaking to his apostles. And he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Okay, he says, I, you're going to do greater things than me. Did you know that? He's telling us we're going to do greater things than even Jesus did when he was on earth. Now, Peter must have believed that when he said that. And it's it's interesting to me that this is the first time that disciples have had stepped out and said, "I'm going to give this a try." And he did, and it became an amazing amazing miracle. In fact, later in Acts 19, when we get there, you'll find out, I'm going to ruin this for you, Micah. But there's stories of them taking the handkerchiefs or the aprons of Paul and going and healing people and casting out demons with that. So because it, it touched Paul and he was was using the presence of, uh, of God in that powerful name of Jesus. They would take any kind of handkerchief or whatever f- from Paul and they would go around in healing with it. Now, I don't remember any story of, of them doing that with Jesus. Now, you hear a story of, of, the, of them te- touching the hem of Jesus' robe, right? And, and the woman gets healed. But I don't remember any story being told that they took an article of clothing from Jesus and went and healed people. So I think of that and I go, that's kind of an example what Jesus said. You will do greater things than even I did. But it's hard to comprehend because, you know, we put Jesus way up there, which is where he should be. But the coolest thing is we have access to that same mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Now, my wife, Jennifer, she grew up in a home that very much believed in the powerful name of Jesus. And uh, growing up, she learned that one leg was shorter than the other. Now, um, Steve knows about this. Steve, Micah's father, just had uh, hip surgery, and the thing got shifted and made his leg shorter than the other, too. Um, and so anyone who knows that if you've ever had a leg shorter than the other, obviously it kind of messes things up. And so it gets you cattywampus, ruins your back, it ruin. I mean, there's just so many things that get affected by that. Well, my wife was an avid softball player, and it was causing her pain, and it was really affecting her ability to play softball. And she was probably a sophomore in high school when she was just getting so fed up and just really um, didn't know what to do. You know, the chiropractor's like, well, you probably have to get those shoes that have a lift in them, and not really cool in high school. To be walking around with this big old shoe and and so <clears throat> one day, and uh, her dad happened to be a pastor uh, one day her dad goes, You know what let's pray for your leg. you know God says that he heals, and so they go to pray and 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 her dad is is holding her leg and he was just getting ready to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And Jen remembers the story that he barely got the name G out of his mouth. And she said she felt this pull on her leg. And it actually, didn't it get like warm? And it actually, she actually felt. And in fact, she, she even said to her dad, dad, quit messing around because her dad was a pretty big jokester. And so she thought he was praying and like yanking on her leg, like, look at it, it's growing, watch. And it turned out he wasn't doing that. And she experienced miraculous healing that day. And her leg, she went back to the doctor, um, and they measured her, her feet, and her legs were exactly the same length. Powerful name of Jesus was called upon at that moment, and healing happen. And sometimes we hear these stories of, of the, the old times, the biblical times. A lot of times we'll hear stories of, of third world countries and that where this amazing, miraculous healing happens. Um, but for whatever reason, we don't hear a lot of that in our Western culture. And part of it is because our healing a lot of times comes in the name of the amazing wisdom and knowledge that we've come with Western medicine, right? So a lot of people look at that and goes, God healed me through this surgeon because God gave this surgeon the knowledge to fix me. Well, in, back in biblical times or in other third world countries, they don't have that. They can't go to this like, top name UW you know, medical center you know, surgeon to, to get this work done. I was just talking to Steve about the technology even involved with hip surgeries nowadays. It's like, it's amazing what they can do. Um, but this powerful name uh, of Jesus uh, is so amazing. And they experienced it that day. This man was expecting money and he got something so much more valuable. He got healing. And it says that he, he got up and his ankles and, and feet immediately got strength. And he started walking and leaping, and praising God. How does it go? I mean, I'm just imagining this guy who's been sitting there for 40 years begging, crippled. I mean, I'm sure he had shriveled up legs or whatever. It's probably pretty obvious that he was crippled. And he's jumping around, praising the Lord. Had to be quite a sight. And it says, the crowd was filled with wonder and amazement. Okay? in J-I-V, Jake I-V, they were blown away. They were just like, and they said, isn't that the guy that's been crippled, that's by the gate beautiful? Isn't that the same guy? They saw Jesus do this not that long ago, but they never saw somebody other than Jesus do something like this. So everyone's just like, their mind is blown. There's like, this guy is walking and jumping. They can't deny the fact this isn't like smoke and mirrors. This this is a real, live miracle. So then we move to the next section called the message. Okay, the message comes in the later part of that chapter. And let me read this to you. Acts chapter 3, verse 11 through 20. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, he probably was like, a little unsure of these new legs and feet he had, even though he's been jumping around. I'm not sure about that. All the people were astonished and came running to them at the place called Solomon's Colonnade, which is this, this place in the temple that has all of these pillars, and it's like this big uh, courtyard. Peter saw this, and he's like, this looks like an opportunity for a sermon. So Peter says to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disown him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. This is kind of stinging right now. It's like, ooh. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Then he gives an altar call. Repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. And I love this part, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. I love how he says, why are you surprised? Why are you staring at us? Stop staring. Didn't your mom ever tell you not to stare? They're staring at him going, what the heck just happened? But I love how he, he, you know, Paul, Peter, and John could have said, yeah, we're all that. Check us out. We just feel this guy. This guy's been a cripple for 40 years. We're all that and a bag of chips. But he doesn't. He's like, why are you astonished? It's not us. It's, it's God's powerful name of Jesus through us. And then he and then Peter goes in his sermon, he says, shame on you guys. Shame on you guys for how you treated Jesus. This is the author of life, he says. William Barclay calls it the crime of the cross. It was a crime. And ironically, the horror of that crucifixion wasn't too far in the distant past. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they just crucified Jesus on the cross. And thankfully, he was raised from the dead. But he kind of uh, reiterates that, and he reiterates that the power of the faith in Jesus is really what made this guy strong. This is what made his, his leg strong. And he kind of gives him a little break. He's like, we know that you and your leaders acted in ignorance. We know you guys were clueless. You guys thought that Jesus was going to come, you know, in this big, powerful way, Right? We, we, everyone thought that Jesus was going to come in this big caravan and he was going to be this big mighty king. Nobody expected him to come that way. And so he's like, you guys are ignorant. But then Peter says, you know what? Repent and turn to God. And he invites us to times of Refreshing. There is such benefit from us turning to God. And I go back through this story and I think, who is the man in this story? The man is us. The man is us getting more than we asked for when we couldn't help ourselves. Isn't that what's happened with us? If we're that man, we're, we're, we're begging for money, but we just got healed. That's us. We, we can't even imagine what we have in Christ when it's so far beyond what we deserve. I love how Psalms 103 to me is the greatest reminder of what we get in Christ. And I want to read this whole thing because it's so powerful. It says, praise the Lord, my soul; all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits: who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion; who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor he will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, as far as he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are like dust. <clears throat> the life of mortals is like grass. They fur- flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone, <clears throat> and it's replaced, is remembered no more. But from everlasting to everlasting... The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. That is such a powerful reminder of what we get when we have Christ. When we accept that free gift, when we repent and say, I can't do this. I can't walk on my own. I can't do this on my own. We get that and more. Now, you don't have to go leaping and jumping like those beautiful children were, but I think with that gift that we have received, I think it would be good for others to see in us how grateful we are for what he's done in our lives. Now, the miracle in this story, the miracle is in the power of, of his name. That's the miracle. And that power <clears throat> is for the taking. It's for us. Second Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God so wants us to tap into that strength, that power in our daily lives, in our prayers, praying, praying big prayers, acting in faith. That's the message. Actually, that's the miracle. The message is this. Don't be surprised by God's power. Don't be surprised. People are surprised. Like, oh my goodness, what was this? Don't be surprised. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed prayers with authority and power, and I've been surprised. And I feel like God's like going, really? Haven't I proven myself? But the other part is, enjoy times of refreshing. Matthew 8.28 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of us just need rest, need that times of refreshing that comes when we just say, we just fall back into the arms of Jesus and say, I'm weak. I need you to be my strength. I need to rest in you. One of the greatest benefits of salvation is that rest and refreshment. We live such busy, crazy, chaotic lives. And the fact that we can stop and rest in his peace and we can put our burdens on him and say, ah, he's got this. That's my prayer for all of us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for the powerful, powerful name that you offer to us. We thank you for the miracles that you did back then for this man that was crippled for 40 years. And we thank you for the miracles that you do today. Give us faith beyond ourselves to trust in you and to tap into that powerful name of Jesus. And help us to remember the amazing benefits of being in relationship with you in that rest, that time of refreshing. Lord, I pray for times of refreshing for each and every one of us. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.